you recovered from your illness? What was it? Bird flu? Swine flu? Just full-on regular flu. Um, full-on man flu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I have not quite recovered, as you may be able to hear, lovely listeners. Thank you for all the kind messages of support in my time of great need. Uh, Hash, been... pray for Paul. <laughs> yeah, I've been fine. I just had the flu uh, and can't really talk properly, so hence uh, difficult to podcast. Also, difficult to stomach watching Manchester United. Let's take you in the way back machine to the uh, one of the slightly more competent performances United have put together uh, the two wall draw against Tottenham Hotspur was that a competent performance what well, what just before we do that what was your favourite Moyes joke of the week there have been quite a few going around there was a, a picture of him and Fellaini and Moyes wearing a high vis and Fellaini holding a speed camera standing outside Old Trafford saying don't go near Old Trafford lads they're giving away three points to everybody ah, very nice uh, my favourite was when David Moyes said that United are aiming to win the Champions League <laughs> I liked good good one David I love a bit of crack I liked it when he said uh, that he'd got a massive lift from the Newcastle result <laughs> there's, there's something wrong with David Moyes Ed I'm not sure what it is but he's really got the talking problems he, he does yes especially apparently to his players who are, are very distant from him at the moment it would seem but anyway let's go back to Tottenham because United did actually score two goals in that game uh, I guess a draw against Tottenham Hotspur away is pretty creditable although of course in Spurs' previous game uh, and we are going some way back. Uh, they had been smashed by Manchester City 6-0. So I, I guess you expected a result from Willis Burris's team. He rather needed it, didn't he? And, and United got a point on the road. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, if our situation wasn't so dire, we would have been relatively pleased with that. And I, you know, I watched that game kind of in a bubble um, and I, I felt like it was all right. I saw lots of stick for United afterwards. And of course, you don't like to concede two goals, but um, scored twice. It felt like a reasonably fair result. Both teams had chances to win it. It seems like a, a long distant pass. Like I can't remember any particularly useful points of an analysis for that game except I didn't think we were that bad especially not when you compare it to what was to come. Well yes I mean United had a lot of possession against Tottenham and, and created quite a few chances of course Tottenham had a lot of chances too and I, uh, I think that's the main criticism that you could level at United uh, a bit too open uh, you know, left Tottenham you know, with the opportunity to win that game and I, I guess uh, in the end it took a very special goal didn't it to put Spurs ahead Sandro's absolute belter uh, but United got back uh, through the spot from Rooney and, and you know in the context of what's happened recently uh, a good point for United though I'm not sure it felt like it at the time anyway I guess we should move on quickly from Spurs because it's so long ago everyone's uh, debated that one and uh, as long in the past and on to Moise's emotional reunion with Everton he said he's not an emotional man but I tell you what I was after that I felt like crying should we sort of uh, encompass the Everton and Newcastle games into one massive dollop because it was basically the same game twice although if anything we were marginally better against Everton than we were against Newcastle I mean this is there's not a lot in it either way a midfield of Giggs and Fellaini I mean you know I don't know what more you can I, I just I, I don't know what can usefully be said that hasn't already been said about the current state of Manchester United they just look a complete and utter shambles this run of games that we're talking about today all all goes back to the 5-0 against Leverkusen and as I said on the last show we recorded that result made me sad in some ways because it was so clear that we don't have the capacity to replicate that 
And boy, have we not replicated that. I mean, I can't think of a single player who had a decent game for United against Everton. Well, quite. No, no, they didn't. And the real problem is that before that, United had gone 12 games and beaten. Uh, five of those were draws and, and a lot of those victories were not very good performances. And, and where we stand today... The Leverkusen game looks very much like an exception in the season, doesn't it? And a team, I think, caught in the headlights. And and this is all in the clarity of 2020 vision, isn't it? Now we know that uh, Leverkusen just didn't, just weren't able to cope with the occasion. Really, Sammy Hupier said that afterwards, and and it feels like an exception to what has been the pattern for United. And the real pattern for United is is how we played against Everton and Newcastle. And and afterwards, Moyes bemoaned the fact that United had chances and could have won the game. Yeah, absolutely. The details had gone slightly differently. United would have won, and in fact, you could say that there's a big pile of homogenous poo here, which is uh, Everton, Newcastle, and Shakhtar, and the performance in all. All three was very, very similar. Turgid, very, very slow. Midfield two, really struggling for two and a half games there. And it produced the same result. United weren't able to create chances for the most part. Not, not the best chances. Were overrun in midfield in all three games. And in fact, it was only really in the last 30 minutes against Shakhtar that United took over. Everton completely dominated United in the middle of the park. And that was the real problem. Newcastle went on to completely outpass us, which doesn't happen very often at Old Trafford, but it's a symptom of the way United are playing at the moment. Statistically speaking, we had 18 attempts on goal. I I think, you know, attempts on goal and chances are not exactly the same thing, are they? You know, there's an awful lot of half chances in that. But it did feel like we could could have scored against Everton. But the, the Newcastle game, Considering that it came on the back of a draw and a defeat, and you'd think that the players would be whatever, you know, I know you, you always say <laughs> we would have talked about this last week, but you know, Moyes would have been looking for a response from his players, wouldn't he? I know that's your your favourite thing, a response, but instead they got an absolute capitulation, and and whatever Moyes is doing wrong, and for sure Moyes is doing some stuff wrong. The players have got to take a long, hard look at themselves, haven't they? Because they're just not performing for him. Well, they're not. You know, there's two ways of reading this. The one is that, well, the players are not performing. It's their fault. They've got to buck their ideas up. Um, Fair enough. Um, The other is they don't have any faith in the coach. I'm not sure this is quite right, but there's one school of analysis that says that that Newcastle result was the beginning of the end for David Moyes. And, And I don't actually believe it literally, I don't think he's on the verge of being sacked. It's uh, I asked about Christmas jokes, that joke about Moyes going to the turkey farm and the turkey saying, you'll be gone by Boxing Day, mate. And I'm not sure that's true. I, I think he will be given a lot of time unless United are completely abysmal in the second half of the season. So I, I think he's got the time, but you, you felt like the players aren't responding to what he wants or he doesn't know what he wants. And both of those are, are evident. Against Everton, yes, a lot of chances, but so did Everton. Everton created a lot of chances too, and and Everton, as we now know, are are very neat in possession. They care for the ball in a way that United do not. They have a a very clear methodology for how they want to play. They build up from the back. Uh, They switch between three and four at the back quite frequently. I mean, they were good against United. They were even better against Arsenal. They're very, very flexible. They've got some very intelligent players there. And uh, Roberto Martinez is getting more out of that set of players than David Moyes was able to do. And I think that's all a fair observation. And then United, unfortunately, appear to have regressed. And I do get frustrated with this this defence that it's a period of transition. Well, you know, the transition, sure, from Ferguson to Moyes and from Ferguson's coaches to Moyes' coaches and Ferguson's method to Moyes' methods. Uh, But... 
there haven't been massive amounts of changes in personnel or, or anything like that. And fundamentally, Moyes has just played a 4-4-2, right? The real issue, I think, is with how he's getting them to play. And I think it's just less effective. I, I got a lot of... Um, a lot of debate uh, on on the website and on Twitter around some analysis based on the data and the fact that United are playing the ball from certain areas that is very different than in the past. You know, they're playing a straight four four two, but basically they're playing a lot of long balls into into the penalty area, and it's just not working for us because we don't have the right players to play that way. Not set up, and I don't think the players believe in it. And, you know, not to harp on this point too much, but you can call it a transition, but Everton are transitioning all right, aren't they? Mm, seem to be doing it quite successfully and, and so do Manchester City and Chelsea to different extents. Bayern Munich don't seem to be struggling too much either. Uh, running away with the, the Bundesliga and they appear to have transitioned from a coach that just won the treble. I think that Man City and Chelsea are both massively struggling actually compared to where they should be really. I mean Chelsea lost at Stone. Chelsea are having an absolute nightmare and if it wasn't for David Moyes Mourinho would be getting an awful lot of uh, close attention that he's probably quite grateful not to be getting at the moment. Watching Everton against United, it was really fascinating because Martinez said, and this was classic Roberto Martinez, I maintain he is the most passive-aggressive man in the game. He is a man who definitely, definitely would communicate with his flatmates about the washing up through notes. You know what I'm saying? There's no way he'd just come out and say what he's thinking. It's, it's always a kind of snidey aspect to Roberto Martinez. He, he said, we've shifted out of the mentality or conquered the mentality Moyes said we used to just try and get out of Old Trafford alive you know and it's like partly he was just saying that because it's the new job and he's trying to big the place up and everything but also if you look at his record against the top four it was completely abysmal wasn't it but that's because he's a conservative reactive coach he tried to meet the challenge of a better opponent with bigger resources in some kind of tactical negative fashion right didn't work for him it didn't work for him over 40 odd matches and and Roberto Martinez and I I take your point right but basically comes down to this he was saying that Everton used to be negative they're not going to be anymore and that positive approach has worked for them to this point now yeah we'll see where it it takes them to the end of the season because they do have a very in squad and I think it'll be harder for Martinez to instill what he wants and that kind of flexible tactical approach when some of his better players are out as inevitably they will be but for now it's working right for him it is and also you say he's had a thin squad but he's also used that really intelligently he rested Barkley and Morales who had had brilliant games previously uh, for the challenge of the United game uh, you know he's doing a really good job with uh, the amount of minutes he's giving Delafeu. If you really, in your heart of hearts, how convinced are you that United are going to finish above Everton this season? You know. Well, no, no, not. I mean, I'd still, if I played it out from here, I still think United probably will, but I'm not convinced about it. I mean, in that piece I wrote about the stats, I, I also, um, you know, did some back of an envelope calculation around how many points United might get, and I, I think honestly, from where we are today, even if we had a standing start, which we, which we don't, uh, it might be quite difficult for United to make fourth. Which tells me that all talk of winning the title is a total joke. Uh, it's going to take a remarkable season for United, second half of the season for United to win the title. Something like win twenty three, uh, and in the current environment, you just can't see it. As I said, when United had that twelve match. Uh, unbeaten streak five of them were draws this is not a side that's going on a 20 match 
unbeaten run and smashing everyone off the park. It's not going to happen. It doesn't turn around that quickly. Frankly, if United don't lose another three games between now and the end of the season, I'll be really surprised. And if they do lose three games between now and the end of the season, they can only afford three or four draws on top of that in order to make fourth spot based on an average number of points over the last 10 years. Now, of course, it might be a season in which fourth is obtainable with like 60 points, although I'm not sure that's going to be the case. So I think United will be very, very tight on just making the Champions League. Forget about the league, it's already gone. This is a massive, massive indictment about the way of the way that David Moyes has handed, handled the transition because it's a hard job. It's incredibly extra, triple hard to follow Alex Ferguson. That is a, a crazy hard thing. But Moyes has also made it hard for himself and was also probably a pretty poor appointment, basically, to be really blunt about it. Like, I, I kind of asked on Twitter... All talk of suggesting that David Moyes should be sacked now is insane because you cannot sack Alex Ferguson's successor after six months. There's no, almost no way that can be a good decision unless you're absolutely sure that there's absolutely no way he's going to come good. And he's got enough credit in the managerial bank to suggest that he'll get to grips with the club and do something more impressive with it. But it's a completely disastrous start. Newcastle haven't beaten Man United at Old Trafford for 41 years. West Brom, similar. Everton over 20. Yeah, yeah exactly. And He's breaking records all over the place. He is. And he's made a team of champions look like a team of clodhoppers you know they've looked good three times this season pretty much every time they've looked good it's been in Europe Robin Van Persie's injuries you could say that's bad luck that's not what Van Persie believes yeah exactly yeah. exactly so look there's, there's an indictment of Moyes on many many fronts and, and I should just say I agree with you I, I think it's ridiculous to talk about Sackney Moyes, you picked a manager, go with it, uh, give him the time. Uh, He said he needs two years. Maybe that's a fair amount of time and the assessment should come in June 2015. From here, it doesn't look very good. And and the indictment of Moyes is is multifaceted. Not impressive in the transfer market. Yes, he was let down by the executives. Not impressive in the way he's handled the media and by proxy his own players. Uh, He just comes across as ridiculously negative. Looks like a boy uh, stuck in the headlights. Uh, Now, boy in a man's game, doesn't he? That that picture of him staring at his shoes this week was very unfortunate because it just looks like uh, he's a man not quite sure where he is or what he's doing. Um, I think the tactics have, uh, have regressed uh, frankly, in a, in a world in which there are many modern thinkers in coaching, his feels like they've been sucked out of the 1970s. He's admitted to overtraining his players, training is a lot of long, hard running. Admittedly, a lot of the players do like that, you know, just they'll feel fit and conditioned right now. Uh, whether they burn out by the time it gets to March is another question. Robin Van Persie, quite clearly. All the noises are really clear on this one, and he's used some of his Dutch mouthpieces as well. Is not happy with training. He had his own say in how he trained and how he played uh, under Ferguson. He's not getting that now. Are his injuries related to that? Well, maybe. We don't know exactly. And in matches, uh, Moyes has been extremely conservative too, um, making uh, substitutions at what seems like the wrong time a lot of the time. So, There's loads and loads of indictments of him and the only way to stop that is for United to start winning. Not going to be winning the league this season. 
I'm quite positive about that one. Uh, I think it's almost no chance United win the Champions League. There are five or six, maybe more than that, sides that are better than United in the Champions League. Uh, From here on in, it's about some decent performances and picking up enough points to make sure United are in the Champions League next season because if the club are really serious about challenging, we know that a lot of money needs to be spent in some very key areas and, and United not in the Champions League is going to be very hard to do that, even if the Glazers release the money. Yeah, which I suspect they will. You kind of wrote a kind of you've got to back him or sack him because Moyes is going to need investment in order to be successful. He's not going to be Ferguson. He's not going to paper over the cracks. Um, he's going to need money spent on that side to make it a, a world-beating side. Um, and I think everyone can see that that's the case. I mean, there are some bright sparks. There's some very good young players at the club on loan. You know, it's not all complete doom and gloom by by any means. I asked on Twitter, essentially, has anyone moved from their position on David Moyes? Because lots and lots of people are like, oh, he's got to go, he's rubbish. And pretty much everyone that thinks he's got to go and he's rubbish thought that he should never have been given the job in the first place. So it's like done nothing to change their mind. Not too many people, obviously, thought he was a bad appointment, now turned around to thinking he's a good appointment because he's done nothing to indicate that that was the case. And lots and lots of people saying, no, I thought it was a good appointment. I still think he'll come good. And one or two saying, I thought it was a really good appointment and now I'm just not... Not so sure that that's the case and I definitely never thought it was a particularly inspired choice and this is kind of what I sort of expected really I was kind of hopeful that it wouldn't be the case and fundamentally I was hopeful that he wouldn't ruin what he had you know and I think the fact that for example like Rooney loves him and well not even loves him but Rooney's working for him and Van Persie's sick to the sick of him or you know that's kind of unfortunate, really. It's like, oh, could, I kind of preferred that when it was the other way around in, in some ways. There's lots of things to talk about in terms of Moyes' PR stuff. Before the Newcastle game, he said, we'll hope to make it very difficult for them at Old Trafford and kind of throw up in your mouth a little bit hearing that. It's just like, I know what he's trying to say is we'll play as well as we can and we'll hope it's a difficult day for them because we'll batter them or whatever. But it just sounds like what he's saying is Alan Pardew's Brazil 1970-esque wonder squad is coming to Old Trafford. We better park the bus. Yeah, the the team that finished 16th in the Premier League last season has added one on loan striker. So, yeah, I I think he needs to grow a pair, honestly speaking. I, I just think he, as I said, looks like a little boy lost. The way he handles the media just kind of reaffirms that one for me. I wonder whether he's like that in the dressing room too. I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons the players don't respect him. I I'm I'm uh, clearly hypothesising here, but they're certainly playing like they don't respect him. I think he needs to be more bullish. This is Manchester United we're talking about. This is 20 times champions of England, three times champions of Europe, the third biggest revenue on the planet, one of the biggest supports in Europe, uh, fantastic stadiums, squad of internationals, and all of that. We're not Everton hoping to get a draw with plucky Newcastle, you know? Look, even this week when he said, and I jested earlier, of course, he said Manchester United should always be looking to win the European Cup. Absolutely right. And then he said, "In this, I hope the draw is kind to us in the next round. Who cares, right? If we're the best in Europe, let's let's pull a combined joint 11 of Bayern Munich and Barcelona, you know? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, frankly, we're going to get smashed all over the park by anyone who's half decent. But, um, you know, I just want Moy to grow a pair and, and act like United is the biggest club in the land because that's what United is. 
During the Newcastle game, Robin Van Persie's obviously kind of never meant to play 90 minutes in that game. And about 20 minutes before the end, the microphone picks up David Moyes shouting at Robin Van Persie, Robin, are you all right to carry on? And obviously Van Persie's giving him the nod that he is because, well, you would, right, in that situation. You're not going to say, oh, no, we're losing at home to Newcastle, but I've got to come off, you know. So... He's risking his body, Van Persie is, uh, at that point, as you would kind of expect him to. But that's a really interesting moment, the way Moyes asked that question. He didn't look like a man who had authority. Can you imagine Fergie asking the question in that way? Mm, right. Even worse, after the game, he said we were due to only give him 70 minutes. Uh, but what would it have looked like if I'd pulled him off then? Uh, hang on a minute. So you're making decisions based on what you think the reaction will be. Oh, dear. I mean, this is this is a man who's now reacting to the bad press that's coming his way uh, and devising his strategy on that basis. Uh, it's not good. It's really not good. Any of it. Uh, and none of it instills confidence in us, the fans. And I suspect it's not doing the same in the players either. Johnny Evans said this week that the confidence has gone. He was very honest, Johnny Evans, I I think, in his assessment. I think the way United played in three games this week uh, showed that there's a a real lack of confidence. And and it all bears itself out in the stats, you know. United's passing success rate is below 80% this season. Part of that is to do with the tactical approach that Moyes has taken. It's a little more direct. Part of it's to do with United just not moving, you know. It's such a static performance and some of that has got to come from the fact that the confidence is really poor and none of it looks very good. I think, uh, honestly, if I was David Moyes right from here... um, he can't go and instill some kind of tiki-taka formation and hope United are going to play their way out of it. The best that we can hope for is the dogs of war for a few games, which, of course, is exactly what Ferguson did in a few uh, situations that got very sticky for United. And, and United have to fight their way out of this one just for a little bit, just to get a few wins under their belt. I can't tell you how important it is between now and the end of the year for United to win a whole bunch of games. Absolutely. Talking of the way players have been talking about Moise, did you see the BT Sport diary thing with Rio where he said waiting just before the match is turning him into a madman, deciding whether he was going to get a game or not? I didn't see it, but I read all the quotes and uh, it was interesting that a United player was quite so publicly critical of his manager, wasn't it? It's kind of interesting because I watched it and it definitely reads more cut and dried than it sounded. You know, in black and white, the quote looks quite intense, actually. It's Rio. He's talking to a camera. He knows what he's doing to a certain extent, but there is much more levity in the way he's saying it when he presents it verbally himself. But it's still extremely telling that a senior pro... And if you look at Rio's performances this season, two right Moises is doing something to that. I mean, I think Rio would have been coming to the end of his career right now anyway but the game against Shakhtar in the first half it looked like he was having his Gary Neville against West Brom game wow yeah the interesting thing about the point that Rio made there though was the contrast exactly what the players said in the Class of 92 documentary I mean Ryan Giggs is quite effusive on this point he says that Ferguson used to come to him and say are you not playing in the next game or the next one after that but I've got this game you know a couple of weeks time that's just perfect for you and he said I I couldn't tell whether I'd been dropped or that he was saving me for a really special occasion Gary Neville he says have you just told me I'm brilliant and you need me or have you just dropped me for a fortnight exactly you know this the man management there you just get a little insight into it and it it appears that Moise either doesn't respond 
expect his players enough to do something similar or just has a different approach of course the players complained about Fabio Capello doing the same thing didn't they in the England squad that uh, he'd tell them a few hours beforehand and they weren't able to mentally prepare maybe Moyes believes that's a way of keeping his players on edge and maybe you have to do that with mediocre players I think with a United's class of no sorry yeah maybe you have to do that with some mediocre players yeah I mean probably don't have to do that even the worst players in United squad at the moment are better than they're performing Ashley Young is a lot better than you know Ashley Young really I'm not sure about it (laughs) no he is he is it's true Ashley Young is having an absolutely horrendous season he is better than he's showing when he played for Villa he was pretty effective he did a lot right there's a reason he got the transfer and you could say yeah he was well he was he was cheap he was no but he wasn't that cheap it was almost 20 million pounds and Fergie says in his book a few million more than I was planning to spend It's as if he got carried away with an eBay auction or something. But I'm not saying Ashley Young's a brilliant player who's definitely United quality. I'm saying even United's worst players, worst performers at the moment are much better than they are. Apart from Rooney, no one in the whole team is playing better than they did last season. Raphael had real problems with injuries and also is struggling for form. And there's rumours that Moyes doesn't rate him, which is crazy. All of the defenders have struggled at one point or another. Maybe you could say Phil Jones has put in some performances that were kind of equal to his performances last season. But as you said today, like there are moments when Jones plays in midfield that are really bombastic and fun and exciting. And he definitely contributes something in that role. But that first half yesterday was just a joke. Every time Shakhtar wanted to get through us, they did. Out of a whole bunch of them, the only one Moyes has managed to add anything to is Rooney. And he's the one who needed the long-running boot camp style fitness. And he's also the one that Moyes has muddy cold the most and thoroughly brown-nosed. I've never seen a manager be quite so obsequious as Moyes with Wayne Rooney. So look, you're right. All their metrics are down too, right? This is observational and it's also in the data, right? They're all playing worse than they have done previously. Van Persie's only slightly down in terms of, you know, number of goals and number of assists and chances creating and stuff like that. But you wouldn't say he was playing in the way that we'd expected him to because he's in and out of the side because of injury. And it's it's only really Rooney who's replaced some of his old talent with hard work, which, you know, fair enough. Part of that's because he had such a dreadful season last season. The, the rest of them are having a really bad time. To move on to the Shakhtar game, since you brought it up, and, and my point on Phil Jones is visually he looks good, doesn't he? He runs around, he makes some tackles, he makes some in- interceptions, he plays the ball nice and safe, which is good because uh, it's not very good when he's more ambitious than that uh, because he can't pass the damn thing further than about 10 yards. So unfortunately, he's so tactically indisciplined, it caused United a lot of problems against Shakhtar. And Moyes actually must have done something right at half time because he got Jones to move a little less and stick to a, a more disciplined role for at least part of the second half. And, and that helped. But the amount of Brazilians that were just running past Phil Jones and and Phil Jones wasn't tracking them was really worrying and uh, he just didn't play like a player who knows how to play that role. In the second half, he was better. I think he was a little more disciplined and of course he got the goal as well, which always helps you reassess the player's performance, doesn't he, when he scores. But there weren't many others, were there? I mean, yeah, and I I definitely think he, in in the second half, I think he ended up being United's man of the match, really, Phil Jones, probably, in the the scheme of it, because... There weren't many others, were there? Yeah, he was the one that really looked like he was trying, and I I really think he's a brilliant player. I really love him, you know, I I definitely... So do I. I I mean, my my frustration is that I think we've got a player who could be a world-class central defender and a pretty good midfielder. Which would you rather have? 
We should also mention the fact that Shinji Kagawa didn't play against Newcastle because he ate so much he had to have his stomach pumped. What the hell is that about? Is this Anderson Christmas party related situation? Yeah, it's like the episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer eats the blowfish. Very odd, that one. Not that Kagawa has performed very well recently. He's had quite a few shots in that number 10 role and it hasn't worked for him. Although I think he's not helped by the static nature of the players around him. I really don't. Uh, it's difficult because he's not getting as many touches as we'd like him to get. And when he does, it's hard for him to bring other players into play. That's a, a defence of Shinji Kagawa. The, the criticism is that he's just not performing at the level we'd like him to in that role that we think is his best role. Yeah, and, you know, this was the thing about that Leverkusen game, that it was all enabled by the fact that Ryan Giggs was brilliant in central midfield and incredibly mobile and kinetic and attacking and brilliant at passing and all that kind of stuff. And we know that that is not going to keep happening. That was what the Kagawa's platform was built on in that game, right? And so, look, some of this played itself out against Shakhtar. I mean, Everton passed their way around us. Newcastle completely outpassed us. So, what was it, 400 passes or something in the first half? I think it was more passes than United managed for some time. And uh, Shakhtar did the same to United for about the first half hour, didn't they? Uh, those Brazilians, uh, a whole bunch of Inos, and I can't remember all their names, uh, knocking the ball around and bar for some very poor finishing could have been two or maybe even more goals up by half-time and the game may well have been over. And United were, were very fortunate in that and, and managed to take advantage uh, with a much, much brighter performance in the second half. Yeah, if Tashira was actually Shearer, then we definitely would have lost that game. I, I mean, absolutely. And it is probably worth apportioning some credit to David Moyes because presumably turning a team's fortunes around at half time is quite a significant managerial achievement you know you'd assume that the manager's pretty heavily involved in that process I mean he didn't change an awful lot tactically I mean United just seemed to manage to take control of the game in the way they hadn't managed to previously I also think that Shakhtar slowed the game down in the second half and it was that was very odd because I think when they moved the ball very quickly, United couldn't cope. Uh, you know, Tyson, Tashira, Luis Adriano's the, the pivot, Fred, Douglas Costa on the left, the player who was once linked with United. And they created little triangles that United's midfield, particularly Jones and, and Giggs, could not cope with. Uh, and then they put pressure on the two central defenders and, and Ferdinand had a, a real nightmare. As, as pointed out by Roy Keane in no uncertain terms. And so United were very, very fortunate that the opposition didn't finish off their chances in, in a better fashion. But credit because um, they managed to take advantage of the fact that Shakhtar were not able to keep up that pace, uh, didn't seem to be able to keep those triangles. Phil Jones was a little more disciplined in sitting in front of the back four. So was Giggs, uh, and I think that helped quite a lot. United didn't really make any tactical changes until the hour when Young and, and Giggs came off cleverly. I thought had a decent half hour for United managed to move the ball a bit quicker which helped actually on this occasion he's, he's had a very poor season hasn't he Van Persie at least added some focus into the attack Kagawa sacrificed went left but you know we got a bit more structure to United's game then it didn't really look like United were ever going to lose in that second half at Machine Gun says Tom Cleverley was kind of great last night. Of course, we shouldn't get our hopes up, but that was kind of nice, wasn't it? It was because he was terrible against Newcastle. I mean, really, 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 really bad. Like we are talking stinkeroony. 
but he was uh, he was really quite good when he came and it's nice to see because he hasn't been good for a really long time and I do think he's another one who's better than he's playing you know I'm not saying he is a world beating top level midfielder but there's a reason that once upon a time we were excited about Tom Cleverley because he's definitely got something and he was pretty decent for half an hour and that was nice to see yes I know I've repeated myself here but but the fact is United took advantage of of some very wayward finishing it could have gone really badly wrong this one and I think we'd be really remiss if we try and pretend that was a great European performance I mean I, I read Pravda today on manunited.com as it's alternatively called and, and you wouldn't believe the way they positioned it as if United had just had some fantastic European game in which you dominated all the games I mean in reality Shakhtar could have easily beaten us twice right didn't completely dominated in in the Ukraine for the second half and should have been two 0 up at Old Trafford. Real Sociedad United was incredibly, incredibly negative in two games and managed to control much of the home game, but so tentative it could have gone terribly wrong and then sought out a nil nil draw in Spain uh, and then uh, against Bayer caught out a team that was inexperienced and showed it. You know, and uh, I know that sounds like a really glass half empty analysis of the European campaign, but I kind of think it's the truth as well. I think um, this wasn't a great group. Uh, despite it sounding like it was, you know, someone from Germany, a long trip to Ukraine and someone from Spain. I don't think this was a good group. I think actually Roy Keane was right in his analysis where he said that United really should have won this group easily because it was a pretty easy one. And Moyes is right too. The draw is going to have to be kind to us. Well, yeah, absolutely. And and both Leverkusen games were such an aberration this season. It's not just that they played badly because they did, but other teams have played not great against us and we've made them look really good, you know. We also did really shine in both of those games through the players that have been in very mixed form, finding excellent form, you know. Talking of players who've been in mixed form, something occurred to me the other day, right? I was just sort of sitting there thinking, eventually Marouane Fellaini's going to score a goal for Man United. And I had almost literally stopped thinking that that was even a thing which was possible. Occasionally, he gets quite near scoring a goal. And one day, he's going to score for us. He's had such an awful start to his United career. It's been as bad as his mate, his mate David Boyce. And a very, very unfortunate moment during the, I think it's a Newcastle game, right? When he's on the bench and he's just sort of staring at his phone rather than the game. And it's like, oh, Marouane, that's just not good PR. Uh, no, yeah, he was in the stands. He didn't even make the bench for United's game against Newcastle. I mean, uh, he's got this injury. They don't appear to have done the surgery, so he was just plain old dropped for that game, uh, it seemed. Uh, of course, back to Newcastle, uh, Zaha got 20 minutes, which was interesting because it was a slightly odd performance from him, I thought. You know, he tried to take on a few players and had a couple of shots. In fact, United's only shot uh, after the 70th minute was from Zaha. That's how bad United were against Newcastle. We're down, we're losing at home. You'd think we'd throw the kitchen sink, as, as Alex Ferguson put it in his book. Uh, nope, we just threw on Zaha who had one shot. <laughs> You've mentioned him a few times. Been a big week for Kino-related coverage in the news media in this country and I'm sure around the world, partly due to his punditry performance, which I thought was excellent and spot on analysis much like his fabled MUTV uh, interview the one thing you can't accuse Roy Keane of in any of this is being wrong um, but then there was a documentary I don't know if you had a chance to watch it I did I did I thoroughly enjoyed it actually. absolutely yeah. scintillating television I, I said on Twitter that watching Roy Keane's face as he thinks of an answer to a question is more compelling than watching any of our current midfielders play football did you set out to injure Alfie Haaland his eyes <sighs> narrow I, I, I thought it was important 
impossible for a man's eyes to narrow that much. It almost became one before he shook his head and said, no. Hmm, what was he really thinking, I wonder? But uh, brilliant stuff from Vieira and Keane. You know, it almost brought a tear to the eye there. You know, mutual love at the end of the programme where Keane said, I loved competing against you. Uh, it was an honour to play against you. I always knew that I had to be at my best. And uh, and just a little moment after they had that argument in the tunnel and uh, they're having to go at each other, Roy Keane comes back and says, I'll see you out, yeah, I'll see you out there. They look at each other, have a little smile. You know, <laughs> yeah. they loved it. They loved the yeah. war and they loved the competition. And it's it was just fascinating because they're the kind of players that just don't exist anymore. It's amazing how quickly that role has gone out of the game, really. The closest thing at Arsenal is Matthew Flamini. He came on as a sub in that brilliant Arsenal Everton game the other day. He just like runs on the pitch shouting, like you know, he's just shouting ever. Come on, you know, this is Sparta. This is the Emirates. But the, the, the there's nobody like either of them in the game. Flamini, we've got nobody even close to the character of Roy Keane, and he gets so much stick from United fans. And the one thing that he gets called all the time is bitter. And I think this is an extremely poor read Not of the emotional process that's at work. I think that he genuinely feels like Alex Ferguson betrayed him when he gave Ferguson the best years of his career and completely and utterly undivided yeah. loyalty. I think he's right. And, uh, you know, we've not seen this Emmy's TV tape. Uh, I'd like to see it. I haven't. But I suspect, uh, and of course this is a little bit of guesswork, that actually not only was Keane's crime criticising his players. I mean, he says, I didn't say anything that was that bad. And, and we all watched it together afterwards. Uh, I think he called in to question the manager and that was why Keane had to go. I mean, it's this thing Ferguson says about having control and power all the time. And I think you're right. It's not bitterness on Keane's part at all. He's not bitter. He said he cried for two minutes and then moved on with his life. And I, I think he moved on very successfully. And now that Ferguson is gone, he's back at Old Trafford watching uh, United with his kids, you know? And, and you know, he's asked for one regret and he said not playing in the World Cup right so it wasn't a fallout at United he played over 400 games for United he doesn't regret you know leaving United in the end he does feel betrayed by Ferguson and for the most part he's right in his analysis if the two of them told me a story of something that had happened between the two of them and they both relayed a very different account of the situation I would assume that the truth lay somewhere in the middle but quite a lot nearer to what Roy Keane was saying you know what I mean it's like I'm sure that there's a spin put on it by Keane as well but I think much much less of a spin than Ferguson who you know Ferguson sets off my authenticity radar do you mean he spent a career lying? Well, exactly, exactly. When somebody is lying, uh, there are things which are incongruent. Uh, the body language, the energy that they're giving off. You know, Roy Keane, he radiates that whatever else you want to say about him, he believes what he's saying. And there are a few like, really moving moments in that documentary, the bit where he's always said that he, in his in his uh, autobiography, he's really scathing about his own Champions League medal, saying that he basically doesn't feel like he deserves it because he, he didn't play in the final, he didn't win that that medal and it was his own fault that he didn't play in that final which god that's that's a hell of a bit of self-analysis but in this documentary he says but you know I did play in 11 out of 12 games in that competition so I don't know maybe I slightly deserve it and I, that got me man that I was like because <laughs> I've always thought it was so sad he didn't feel like he earned his Champions League medal when we would have had absolutely no chance whatsoever not a cat in hell's chance of winning that trophy without him so of course, the other thing he said about that was that he felt insulted by Ferguson's description <laughs> of his performance in Turin. Now, Ferguson said he was a, a man mountain, he covered every blade of grass and, and, and no one has ever put in a performance like that. And he said, I feel insulted uh, by that. What else 
did you expect me to do? Which again is a very cold analysis, but but very true. You just I guess the human side of us is saying, well, you're going to miss out on the biggest thing in your career. We think about Gaza and not being able to cope with the knowledge of missing out on the biggest thing in your career. And Roy Keane has a very cold analysis of it and says, no, I put in the same performance I'd always. Oh, he also said, was that in his latest book? And the interview goes, uh, no. He goes, no, it wasn't, was it? I mean, there was definitely an undercurrent of cattiness in that. Like his team selection is brilliant. Oh, yeah. And the interviewer points out at, at some point, like, I notice you've picked Stan Beckham, Ruben Roy and Roy Keane in there. Anything in common those both? And he's like this little cheeky grin on his face. Keane does. And then the um, the other thing was there's a photo on the, this pinball. They're looking out of like shared memories of their career. And Ferguson's got his arm around Keane in the dressing room. And Roy Keane says, oh, that's when he still liked me. And it was heartbreaking. You know, this is a personal relationship that's been shattered. And when King goes after Ferguson's loyalty and United fans start saying, oh, he was at the club for 26 years. How can you say he's not loyal? That wasn't an act of loyalty that he stayed at the club for a long time. It was the, the greater glorification of Alex Ferguson, the statue, the name of the stand, the money. You know, I, I, he was wonderful. Like, none of this is meant to be slagging off Ferguson. It's just, I, it really does. I, I feel like United fans are being pretty heavily revisionist if they don't think that Fergie really did betray Roy Keane anyway. Well, and, and he also betrayed the club, I'm afraid. Uh, here's another piece of revisionism that Ferguson did nothing to promote the takeover by the Glazers and the subsequent impact. And, and this is Roy Keane saying, you're living in cloud cuckoo land if you don't think that Ferguson's war with the the John Magnia and McManus affected the club in a negative way, you know? And he's right. You're living in cloud cuckoo land if you don't think that affected the club. And, and I'm afraid that was all about Ferguson. Um, and uh, the fallout from that was that uh, the Cornwall guys sold their state to the Glazers and that's cost United about £700 million in debt and uh, we're seeing the fallout from that now and that lack of investment over the years. So that's an analysis that many United fans do not like to hear but I'm afraid it's the truth. Uh, too bad if you don't like it really and, and we shouldn't deify Ferguson. Fantastic manager, won all those trophies for United. Doesn't mean he was a nice man, doesn't mean he did everything for United that was in United's best interest, because patently he didn't. I mean, quite. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, should we move on to some lighter matters and delve into the great, big, massive, uh, full bag of Twitter questions? So many Twitter questions this week. Uh, I guess maybe because we weren't here last week, we've got extra. At Carrick is my icon says, did anyone make an Anderson joke when it came to Kagawa eating too much? Think it might have come up? I don't know. Oh, come up. That was the wrong word to use, wasn't it? At S-Y-M-E-H-U-Z. Simi Huz uh, says, should I watch Hunger Games Catching Fire tonight? Hashtag can't decide. Hashtag rank cast. I don't know. Ed, have you, are you familiar with The Hunger Games? Seems like it's for young people to me. It's definitely not for Anderson, though, is it? <laughs> no, clearly not. At Jake Plant 9 says, when will I get to hear the dulcet sound of that typical city on the rank cast? I think we'll probably get Rob on before the uh, next derby, maybe. What do you reckon, Ed? Yeah, maybe. Um, once once he's admitted yeah. to watching the class of 92. Back to back for 20 hours, four hours solid. <laughs> At Typical City says, Moyes seems to enjoy defeats. He says they make him more determined. Is this a problem in your eyes? Hashtag Rankcast. He's the most determined man in the Premier League at the moment in that case. At Full-Time Devils says, What Animal Kingdom analogy best describes the way Shakhtar came at us in the first half? Uh, like an angry swarm of 
wasps or something. So they're kind of wearing that orange thing and they were just like buzzing all over the place. There was loads of them. Like a cat with mustard on its bollocks. <laughs> the one and only Andrei Kachowskis. Shout out to the 90s red issue there. Who, of course, played for Shakhtar. Oh, there you go. There you go. It all ties together. Full, full circle. Yeah, I didn't mean that, but you know, hey, let's uh, let's just pretend that was super smooth there. Um, at Darren Richmond says, do you think we have enough in the tank to reach the magical forty point mark? No, yes, just about. Yes. I, no, I think I think we're all right on that front. Uh, I'm not sure that we'll reach the magical seventy point mark. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, at Machine Gun, loads and loads of questions. Machine Gun spray of questions this week. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if David Moyes was a good manager? So harsh. So. I know that that Mo is of the opinion that Martinez is uh, an upgrade on Moyes at Everton. Mm. Well, uh, here's a question for you. If uh, Martinez was Muck Martinez, uh, would he have got the job? I tell you what, I I don't like to bang on about this point particularly, but I really genuinely believe that a Scottish manager had way, way, way more chance of being picked by Alex Ferguson because he really does believe Scottish people are good. (laughs) You know, that seems to be the case. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Cantona Claus at McKee underscore Mark says, Do you think David Moyes is a cat person or a dog person? Definitely a dog person. Definitely. Just look at him. He'd love to take a dog for a walk. He needs that kind of unconditional affection at the end of a really hard day. He doesn't need some aloof pet walking away from him. He needs a dog that's going to be glad to see him when he walks through the door. Are are you still there, Ed? Have I lost you? (coughs) I am. I was just waiting for you to move on. (laughs) Um, At JH1993 underscore MUFC says, are you willing to media train David Moyes? What do you reckon, Ed? Yes, well, I think he's been media trained and that's part of the problem because he, uh, he says almost nothing except for the rather bland negative statements of a little boy lost so for the most part he says nothing at all actually you can watch a david moyes press conference and you could have scripted the answers prior to the press conference taking place uh, and then he comes out with these little evertonisms which he just hasn't got rid of yet I, I mean, it's an interesting one isn't it because i mean i feel like he's just been badly media trained like he's not using the media cleverly at all at the moment it's adding pressure to him the way his media handling score on on football manager profile would be really low right well yeah although you know the artificial intelligence there is just say something positive all the time and you're all right so at Consor says, follow, follow, follow. Just how far down the table are top reds supposed to follow David Moyes? And at Jack K. Holt says, how many more games would United have to lose for Moyes to lose his job? Hashtag Rankcast, hashtag yeah. maths. I- Ten. So if United use and lose another 10 league games, Moyes will go in the summer. That, that's my prediction, 10. Uh, and I don't think it will happen. I think United will lose another three or four or something like that. Um, and, you know, it will be touch and go for the, the Champions League places and Moyes will keep his job. Absolutely. And I kind of feel like it's right. And, and the whole kind of argument about backing David Moyes or being negative about David Moyes drives me up the wall because it's like, you know, anyone can see who's got eyes that he's doing a shocking job. And, you know, as he walked up the touchline after half time, you know, it was a steady cam shot walking alongside of him and it had him in the foreground and the crowd in the background and everyone he walked past in the crowds giving him a round of applause, you know, giving him encouragement, getting behind him. That's, that's what supporting him means. Supporting him means that, you know, if you're there, you sing his name, you're not booing the team, you're not calling for his head yet because it doesn't really matter if you think he's a good manager or not 
one thing that is absolutely certain is sacking managers after six months is terrible practice. The thing that annoys me, though, is I totally agree with you, and I think um, the Old Trafford crowd is, is very good at this. Although it's changed in nature over the years, uh, I think you'll get a significant amount of support at Old Trafford and on the road even more, uh, and that's where it really counts. I don't think it matters if you voice your opinion in some social media forum or on Twitter or on a blog or a podcast or any other medium or with your mates down the pub or any other medium. And uh, if you don't like what he's doing and you've got that opinion, that's fine. And uh, I'm afraid this support David Moyes appears to be a way of trying to shut people up, which is uh, not much good or fun either. I'll tell you, the thing that drives me up the wall, absolutely properly up the wall, is Alex Ferguson had a load of time. David Moyes needs a load of time. It's like, oh, what a load of oh nonsense. my goodness, that is an incredibly false equivalency. <laughs> I mean, you know, there is an yeah. awful lot of logical fallacy working in that. It's like, no, X does not equal Y. Yes, th- that's a load of nonsense uh, for very practical purposes that, that uh, Moyes will definitely not get six years before he manages to win a, a Premier League title um, but for more esoteric reasons as well you know he's he's uh, he's got a much better set of players than Ferguson had in 1986 the world has moved on uh, and uh, Moyes needs to achieve more success than Ferguson needed to achieve fact and one other point it just doesn't take that long to complete a transition why is it that Moyes needs two years and uh, Roberto Martinez doesn't and I know it's a ridiculous comparison but you know the fact is that a, a coach can quite easily stamp his mark on a team in a shorter period of time does he need two years in which to completely destroy a good side and turn them into another good side hmm, maybe um, the question is how bad do you think United really were before Moyes joined and has he taken them backwards or not well quite all right just a couple more twitter questions at tom underscore mcgee says do fans who sing sacked in the morning genuinely think you can only get sacked in the morning be interesting statistical analysis to do on what time of day managers got sacked and how likely it actually was to be in the morning i suspect that more managers get sacked after games later in the day right you're getting sacked this evening it's a good question yes i mean um i I think chairman fall into two scores there one is the sack in the morning and uh, when their hatchet men will turn up at the training ground a la Roman Abramovich's preferred method and uh, ships the coach out early in the morning or the uh, old school chairman who likes to wander into the dressing room and go you're fired son um, alright uh, at office under. I'd love to be a football chairman I'd fire some coaches would you you wouldn't be all about stability and building for the future you'd be like hire them fire them well it depends you know if they, if they play some nice football I'll, I'll, uh, I'd be quite tolerant if, uh, if it's a bunch of long ball hoof merchants also known as David Moyes I, m- I might not be quite so tolerant Pulis out. At office underscore monkey. Second penultimate Twitter question. What's your favourite Christmas song bar the 12 days of Cantona? Mine is, if we're going traditional, it's Little Drummer Boy. And if we're going contemporary, it's obviously Fairy Tale of New York, the best Christmas song. Ah, yes. I I love a bit of Pogues. Yeah. Very, very nice. Are they not suitable for the little ones? No, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, although Ronan Keating did re- re- release a version with cleaned up lyrics, but you know, anyway. Although, though my, uh, you know, little ranter knows most of the words. The the, the other little ranter. I, there's two little ranters. The bigger little ranter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say one of them is looking forward to their first Christmas at the moment, aren't they? This is this is very true. Yeah. Uh, first Christmas, will United be in the top half of the table or not? Uh, is this all little ranter's fault? Is that what's happened here? Has, has the little ranter ruined Manchester United? Um, no, presumably not. Might be. Well, he's a little ginger fella. And I'll tell you what, United could do with a little ginger fella. Did you, did you see that goal 
uh, Paul Scholes scored from the uh, halfway line. Admittedly, it was a five-side game. It, it for, was, uh, but I kind of made it... Jadderton All-Stars. I kind of made it more impressive that it was a five-side game. That goal's ever so small. Like, the way that, I don't know, the, the physics and maths involved in that goal. He's a supernatural, Paul Scholes is. All right, final Twitter question of the week. At Jack Hawkins 23 says, out of the United squad, who would play what parts in the nativity play? First of all, Adnan Yanazai is obviously playing the baby Jesus, right? Uh, uh, him or Ollie. Eric Cantona has to be one of the wise men, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and Roy King. Yeah, clearly. Uh, you need a third wise man. In- inject a bit of tension into it by making Alex Ferguson the third wise man. Oh, very nice. No, I, th- I think Matt-, Matt Busby. We give Matt Busby the third wise man status. Um, I-, I think that Joseph, <laughs> clearly Ryan Giggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> it's, it's definitely um, no immaculate conceptions going on, though. Not, not that I'm... Uh, Giggs is concerned. Not that I want to cast aspersions on the uh, nature of the parenting. Of... I-, I think Rio Ferdinand... Ferdinand may be merry because he's getting f***ed every week at the moment. <laughs> just It's just not immaculate. That's like, oh man, that is easily the most offensive thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> hey, look, you know, maybe I should offend a few more people just to even it up uh, the views of the views of how, ed, how, however i love christmas <laughs> the, the views of ed from united run do not represent my views i can't even remember who else is in it there's some shepherds aren't there or you've got a few sheep in the united first team but sadly way too few shepherds is malcolm glazer the innkeeper then <laughs> i think so yeah 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 there's no money at the inn I, I don't know what the, the gifts that the wise men would bring hopefully there's three points some please sort of... against aston villa this yeah. weekend <laughs> Yeah, just bring a point each, lads. That'll do the job. All right, so Aston Villa at the weekend. Aston Villa having a mixed season, um, much better than last season, but still a team. Now, that really is a team in transition. Yeah, well, it, it is, and, and they they have struggled. I mean, you know, they had all these young players come through a while ago, and it hasn't really worked for them, right? So they're, they're trying to work out what they are and what they stand for and, and how they're going to play as a team, and um, there's a lot of mixed results. They were terrible against Fulham, or Fulham were very good. Either way, Fulham's a team right at the bottom that's really struggling and, and Aston Villa really had no answer but but then they went away to Southampton and won and you wouldn't have expected that would you? No and they've that's been their whole season uh, has been one pretty terrible result followed by a great result they beat City I mean that was a, a complete fluke at City have been bad on the road quite a lot this season but that game uh, whilst it will go into the tally of their away losses they sh- that you know they were really properly robbed in that game uh, it was a real freak result Christian Benteke uh, their main man at Villa has really been struggling for form got booed got booed by the Villa Park faithful uh, yeah I mean in, in fairness he did burn a lot of goodwill by asking for a transfer in the summer and then signing a contract and doing a bit of a Rooney but well he, well, he did but he, but he did sign that contract and that was clearly a negotiating tactic for some more pay which he probably deserved after having such a good season last season unfortunately Aston Villa fans are not so much glass half full but glass quarter full they're, they're some of the most negative fans in the country aren't they And but I guess after years of failure that's that's what it brings you of course big game Villa versus United because Villa could leapfrog us and, and move up into ninth so you know <laughs> this battle for ninth isn't going to win itself lads that's just like isn't it amazing yeah so we're playing our kind of you know in the mini league that United are in it's really important for us to get these three points right oh yeah a 3-0 win for Villa and, and they're above us and we're down to 11th that's uh, it's, uh, it's serious stuff look seriously United have some very very nice looking fixtures before the end of the season this is United's opportunity I said it before how important is it that United grasp this 
puts in some decent performances and picks up a whole bunch of wins. And look, we could. Don't have to play that well against some of these teams. You know, Villa away, Stoke City away in the Capital One Cup. Then we've got Hammers at home in the league, Hull away and Norwich away by the end of the year. You know, United could well win four league games there. And, and not to be too hyperbolic about it, I think it's four league games to save United's season. I think this is, if United do really badly in these four league games, and I don't expect United will, but, you know, the Champions League spot is, is really under pressure then. United win all of them. We're back on the road. I don't think anything can happen to win United the league now, but um, Moyes will take a lot of confidence from it. So will the players, and, and we could have a good second half of the season. We we could, but you know the the last set of fixtures w- was looking like a very attractive set of fixtures since the Arsenal game. We played Cardiff, Leverkusen, and Spurs away. That's a tricky one. But Everton at home, Newcastle at home, who haven't beaten us for a combined total of sixty years at Old Trafford. You know they're no they're no less attractive looking fixtures. I mean, you could say that well, Everton and Newcastle are definitely better than Villa and Stoke uh, and West Ham and Hull. But still, that was part of that very winnable run of fixtures. Very true. I mean, look, the one one challenge for United here is that you know f- five games and uh, four of them away from home I mean admittedly one's in the Capital One Cup that no one really cares that much about although maybe Moyes will do because it's best chance of tro- uh, trophy this season but you know so four away from home so that could derail my belief that United could go on a, a win here but look these are not good sides you know Newcastle are playing quite well this season uh, apart from that 3-0 loss at Swansea they'd gone on a win of four wins in a row I think it was and Everton playing some really good football just look at their game against Arsenal where they took on Arsenal at their own game and almost beat them I'm not being revisionist I'm just saying that those two sides were playing well enough that they could take advantage of United's weaknesses I don't think that Villa West Ham Hull and Norwich are playing well enough to take advantage of United's weaknesses so this is a massive opportunity for United yeah absolutely Um, we should talk about the Stoke game because it's going to happen before our next rank cast even though uh, a Capital One fixture didn't warrant uh, mention in the intro of the show it is a, a football match um, and it's always nice to beat Stoke it's always been nice and now they're managed by Mark Hughes so it's extra super extra mega nice yes very true and, and I think it's quite important for just for United's confidence I, I know Moyes will rotate uh, and he'll probably rotate reasonably heavily there's a whole bunch of players that really really need some games I mean Anderson comes into that category right just give him some time because you might as well but Zaha could really do with some time Fabio I don't know what the kid did Zahar's not been shagging Moyes' daughter Fabio has uh, and filming it and sending it to David Moyes each day because uh, he's definitely done something wrong that lad uh, and uh, I guess Anders Lindegaard will need some time as well and, and unfortunately Bootner will get a game because he does now and again I, I like him. I mean, I don't think he's good, but I do like him. Uh, sure, there's nothing not to like. Apparently he thinks he can make the Dutch national squad. <laughs> I don't think so. He's a very optimistic lad. And, uh, you know, I quite like him. He's just not a defender. He'd be all right as a kind of rotation option of a left winger. But he just can't defend to save his life, poor lad. No, he can't. Uh, unfortunately, that's, a, that's an accusation that can be levelled against quite a lot of United's defenders this season. <laughs> so anyway, look, um, what do you think? Prediction? Uh, United away at Aston Villa. There's been some dramatic games away at Aston Villa in recent years and then away at Stoke City three days later in the Capital One Cup. 
how do you predict it? How are you supposed to predict it? I mean, if you think about United's midfield against Villa, it's depressing. I, I suspect a narrow win is kind of the best we can hope for, really. A, a really outstanding performance seems a long way away at the moment because there just isn't the personnel in the centre of the park to put that together unless a miracle happens and you get a really great performance out of, say, Cleverly and Jones or Fellaini or something, you know. Um, I, I think if Cleverly plays the absolute maximum of his potential, you could that, that could be quite good. But yeah, I suppose a narrow win against Villa, 2-1 or something, Robin Van Persie winner. Uh, and then I, I think Stoke's going to be a really difficult game because they're not going to rotate. I, I don't think they're, they're, they're not really in any serious danger of getting relegated Stoke. So this is going to be, surely you would think at the beginning of the season, this would be a trophy they lock their eyes on and say, yeah, we can really go for this one. Um, and I think they'll play their full strength side and we'll play our squad extras and fillers and all that kind of stuff and we'll probably lose I think I think that's a more likely outcome uh, so I'm going to predict a 2-1 win and a 2-1 loss Wow well of course Stoke beat Chelsea with a, a storming goal in the last minute the other day I mean I guess that will fill them through with a lot of confidence won't it so you know I, I, I rarely predict a loss for United in fact I don't think I ever do despite <laughs> many accusations of being negative you know when it actually comes down to it <laughs> I, I can't help myself so I think United will go and win at Aston Villa 1-0 uh, because that's the only way we could possibly win uh, and the kids will get a creditable 2-all draw with Stoke and uh, win in extra time so there, yeah, 3-2 yeah okay all right very good I mean that's you know that's, that's exciting times anyway we, we, it's definitely interesting I, I've been thinking a lot about how you know this is what it's like for normal football fans right your team quite often loses and it's been weird for United because losing is, is obviously something that is just just doesn't happen very often uh, for United fans certainly not losing at home and the fact that it happened twice on the bounce was a bit of a shell shock you know for everyone and I think mainly United fans are probably just concerned I do think it's slightly difficult for us to visualise as a kind of descent a la Liverpool in the 90s um, given the commercial power at United's disposal and you'd think that so long as whoever gets the job next assuming Moyes like doesn't turn it around and come good whoever gets the job next that's when you really are looking at whether there's going to be a systemic decline or not right I, I think you're right United uh, have plenty of financial muscle here uh, they, I mean of course there's you know it's 280 million pounds of net debt uh, gross debts are in the 360 region right so um, there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of uh, money to pay off there but the interest rate is much lower after several rounds of refinancing United have financial muscle here to go flex so you know, if the Glazers want to maintain United at the top of the European game then they're going to go and have to they're going to have to go spend that money uh, that's a big question of course do the Glazers really want that but there's plenty of financial muscle there I guess my real question there is will Moyes be given it and maybe January will be a sign of faith or not and and if he's not given uh, enough money to at least strengthen I... a little bit, because you know, uh, I'm I'm telling you now, United's place in the Champions League next season is not guaranteed, uh, and strengthening is required. I mean, the the thing is though, I'm not sure how much January's going to kind of indicate what Moyes' standing is with the Glazers in terms of financial muscle because spending money in January is so difficult because you can't get any top player basically because all the top players are cup tied for Europe the only way you're going to get top players is if we're out of Europe and so are their teams the United won't be but um, uh, but you can still you can still there are plenty of players around and, and United definitely need to strengthen anyway look this is a this is a conversation we'll definitely have to have 
over the Christmas period as we approach the transfer window and maybe we'll get some better idea about who United are targeting. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we ought to save your throat and your nose, your illness, the blowfish variety or the uh, or the swine flu, as I think it might be. Uh, sounds like it might be coming back. And, and uh, I think in the meantime, United are going to get a couple of wins and we'll get this show back on the road. What do you think? All right. Well, here's hoping. As long as we win in the league, I'm not too fussed about the Capital One Cup, but yes, yeah, so as long as we win the league, it's going to be glory, glory, Man United here on out.